1: Welcome to this bonus episode of Yeah, that's probably an ad. I'm Coim Department's editor and co-host, and we have a special guest. It's Seth Godin, best-selling author and thought leader in the marketing world. Here's a little bit of our conversation. Nice to finally connect with you. Well,
0: I'm glad that the work has been resonating. Thank you for reaching out.
1: <laughs> Your work has resonated with many marketers, um, and and just kind of you know, curious people over the years. Um, I'm so curious about your process and also what's kind of top of mind now. Um, some of the things that you've written about are kind of evergreen, right? Um, but what's kind of on your plate for 2020? What are you working on?
0: Okay. Well, those are a couple of different questions I will try. We'll start with this. On our plate, I have committed almost all of my time and energy to building the workshops that we run the Alt MBA, the marketing seminar, and five other ones because they're the most effective thing I've ever done. Uh, They work more deeply than I can help someone change just by giving a keynote or writing a book. Because what I discovered is that we learn by doing stuff, not by Mm -hmm. uh, reading or watching stuff. No one learned how to ride a bicycle without riding a bicycle so that's what's on my agenda is to figure out how to make these workshops even more compelling and to get the right people involved in them but in terms of my process it's related in that my process has always been the same i don't believe everything happens for a reason i think that everything happens and then we make up a reason but in the marketplace in our culture there tends to be reliable reasons, causes, effects that we can predict based on how something works or doesn't work. So if I see something in the world and I don't understand why it's working, I need to come up with another way to explain culture. Like, why is it that people are waiting in line to buy a Supreme hoodie for $250? If I can't explain it, then I'm walking around thinking that everything is just magical. And it's not. What we have is the sum total of how human beings behave. And our job as marketers is to help figure that out. Yeah.
1: Um, are those kind of the use cases that people would um, think about in the Alt-MBA? Or how does, you know, someone learn to ride a bike in the marketing world um, through your course?
0: Sure. So the Alt-MBA is our flagship. There's no videos in it at all. It's Small groups of people, five at a time, in a cohort of 120, with alumni coaches taking them through 14 prompts. And in the course of a month, they'll give and get hundreds of pieces of feedback, more feedback than they've gotten in their entire career. And what you do when you work through a prompt is you practice making assertions. You learn to make decisions. You learn to go faster. You learn to see and be seen. And that's a deep emotional shift for most people who have a job, because it is not about compliance. It's about leadership. And leadership isn't the same as management. Leadership is voluntary. Leadership involves uh, pathfinding, figuring out where to go next. And then from that, I said, well, what do marketers specifically need? And in the marketing seminar, we have 60 lessons. Those do feature videos of me, 60 fundamental principles. But the reason it works is because then we say, all right, take this idea and apply it to your work. Tell us in six paragraphs how status roles affect how you bring an idea to the world, your idea. And what happens is that people start workshopping their marketing in front of their peers. And too often, we hesitate to do that because we're afraid. And so you've got all the people on Madison Avenue who have a lot of bluster because they're afraid to talk about why a campaign might or might not work. So they simply pretend it's magic. But it's not magic. It's an intentional act designed to get under the skin of a few people and cause a change to happen. And if you can't articulate it, then you're a little bit of a charlatan. Like we would never go to a doctor if she couldn't articulate why a stent is going to make our heart work better. Well, I don't think you should hire an ad agency that can't articulate why an ad campaign is going to work.
1: Yeah. It's really about communication and and practice, um, you know, what you're supposed to do at your job when the opportunity comes up. Is that correct?
0: Right. And that didn't used to be the case. What you were supposed to do at your job in the old days was what your boss wanted. And this hierarchical industrial approach goes all the way back to you know the magic of madmen and Bewitched and all the things that we think we're supposed to do as marketers or people at ad agencies, et cetera. But that's gone. It's just gone. That the depth of the hierarchy, even at the giant Unilevers and Procter and Gamble's, the hierarchy's gone from eleven people from the top to the bottom to like three which means that everyone who's on the team has to contribute way more initiative and insight than they used to.
1: Yeah, and you also said, you know, one of the goals is to work faster. That's something that's changed. So if we go back to, you know, the analogy of riding a bike, doesn't mean just practicing riding a bike will make you a faster biker.
0: Well, okay. So my first job, uh my boss used to be on at Frito-Lay, and he told us that he had spent a year on the redesign of the Lay's potato chips bag. Now, it's probably true that there are still people who are spending a year redesigning the container for Oreos or whatever, but not most of us. Most of us are moving way faster than that because the cost of being wrong is lower than ever before And the need for fast feedback is more than ever before. So I believe that most of the time we're going slow. We're going slow because we have to go to more meetings. And we're going slow because we're waiting for someone else to take responsibility. And so the skill that you learn isn't just the skill of I can ride a bike. It's the skill of being willing to fall down. It's the skill of being open to trying a different way to be in the world. And what we see among big companies that are faltering when technology and the culture changes is they're not faltering because they're dumb, they're faltering because they're afraid.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Do you think that, you know, in in one of your books, you you talk about how um, marketing shouldn't be selfish, to paraphrase. Do you think it's gotten... Less selfish over over, you know, time or is is that where some where some are failing?
0: Oh, I think it's gotten more selfish, a lot more selfish, and we are we justify it by talking about the competition. If I don't cut corners, someone else will. If I don't race to the bottom, somebody else will. If I don't ask for better terms or if I don't mislead people, someone else will, and. We are seeing one industry after another suffering the consequences of racing to the bottom. That if you're in the financial services business and all you can do is the kind of shenanigans that Wells Fargo did, well, that, those are symptoms of racing to the bottom. Boeing raced to the bottom. And they said, look, we're a public company. We're competing with Airbus. We have no choice but to cut corners. Well, yeah, they did have a choice. And the choice was they could have raced to the top instead. And if they had, they wouldn't have lost billions and billions of dollars and killed innocent people. So there are consequences to justifying our actions in the name of selfishness. And I think that when we talk about brands we admire, when we look at organizations that are outperforming, it's because we believe in them. We believe them. We want to believe them because we have an identity wrapped up in who they are. And in my talks, I I put up a slide of a bunch of people who have some tattoos, and all the tattoos are from Harley Davidson. And I say, almost no one gets a Suzuki tattoo. And the lesson there is, that's a choice. It's a choice to make something tattoo-worthy. And the way you get to be tattoo-worthy is not by trying to maximize uh, return on equity for your shareholders
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, from where you sit today you know who are the brands that are racing to the top and becoming tattoo worthy
0: well every time I mention a brand in a positive way they fall apart so that that's-
1: <laughs> so it's the the, the golden curse <laughs> it's the golden curse
0: so instead my my answer is tell me a brand you admire because if you admire it, I know why you admire it. You admire it because it's got some identity for you. That almost nobody wants to go to Avis instead of Hertz or Hertz instead of Avis. Because they've both persuaded us that they're the same. And the same's with bottled water. If bottled water is all pure, then just buy the cheap one. And when I think about what it means to have an actual brand... Versus a logo. If Nike had a hotel, I think we would all agree that we can imagine what it would be like. But if Hyatt had a brand of sneakers, we have no (laughs) clue what it would be like. That's because Hyatt only has a logo, but Nike has a brand. Mm. And what it means to have a brand is that you stand for something and some people don't like it, but everyone knows the promise that you are making and keeping.
1: All right. Yeah, you, you write about keeping promises and and not breaking them. Are there any, I want to switch this a little bit, like are there any promises that you keep to yourself?
0: To myself. Well, so I believe all a brand is, is a promise because we're too busy to know the truth of anyone or anything. We come up with shorthand. That shorthand is the promise of what to expect from them, that there's a promise of what it's like to land at LaGuardia Airport. There's a promise of what it's like to bite into a hot chicken sandwich in Nashville. These are brands. And what we get to do is make promises and keep them. That is the thrilling part of being a marketer, because we're choosing to lean outside of the established industrial standard. Now, I also argued a long time ago, 20 plus years ago in a book called Get What You Deserve, that we can make promises to ourselves. And we actually each have a brand in our own head about who we are, who we think we look like when we look in the mirror. What is it that we do when we are being ourselves? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I try to make Promises to myself all the time. There's some that you can notice from the outside, like if it's tomorrow, there's going to be a blog post from Seth Godin, just like there has been every day for years and years in a row. I only had to make that decision once. And then the rest of the time, I just have to keep the promise. But more personally, every day I wake up and I say, I can't believe how lucky I am to have this privilege. How do I not waste it today? And if you looked at my career as a McKinsey consultant based on return on equity, I have made a lot of bad decisions because I haven't taken money off the table. But if you're trying to say, how do you build return on trust, return on intention, that's what I'm trying to do, is earn the privilege yeah. of changing the culture just a little bit.
1: I mean, I would say it's more than a little bit, right? Um, and who do you kind of, do you have models that you look up to or where does this um, drive come from for you? Well, I,
0: I think we have to be careful of not falling into the trap of because somebody else had a different advantage, a different upbringing, a different whatever, we're off the hook. So I won the birthday lottery. I was born the right day in the right city, the right gender, the right color for 1960 to have all these advantages. And my parents are a North Star for me. They both passed away, but I ask myself regularly what they would do and if I'm living up to the advantages that I got. But I also know people who didn't have any parents who are making a huge difference. I know people who have come from much less advantaged backgrounds who are making a big difference. So it feels to me like mostly this is a choice. And some people have the wind at their back and some people less so. But we just to make the choice to be responsible. Because the thing, the difference between authority and responsibility is responsibility can be taken. In fact, that's the only way to get it. Authority is always given to us. And so it's easy in an industrial culture to wait for authority. But I've been too impatient for that for a long time. So I'd rather just take responsibility and say, yeah, that one's on me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is my last question, um, unless you have something else you'd like to, to bring up, but where do you want marketers today to be, to be better? What is the choice that, that they can make? Or is it, does it come in the thinking of making the choice, the intention?
0: Oh, I love this. Thank you for this. This, <laughs> this has been, this is the capstone of a really good conversation. So here we go. Every marketer who decides to be a selfish, short-term, narcissistic profit taker who is cutting corners and hiding has made that choice. We don't have to do that. You can say to your team, this product you want me to sell, it's crap. I'm not going to push it. You can say to the team, oh, you want me to spam people who trust us? Not going to do it. It's your fingers on the button. You don't have to press the button. That as marketers, if we're truly professionals We've got to take responsibility for what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. We should have the confidence to never say, I was just doing my job, because we can do better than that. We have the leverage. I was talking to a woman who runs an important nonprofit yesterday, and it dawned on her about halfway through that they're a marketing organization, that everything else they do is a commodity. But if they can tell a better story to the right person in the right way on the right day in a way that makes that person glad they heard the story and helps make a change happen, they did a good job. That marketing is what changes our consumption. Marketing decides whether someone's going to vape or not. Marketing decides whether someone's going to get elected or not. So we're responsible, life or death, every day. And we should act that way. That is my mission.
1: That's beautiful. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day Um, to speak and connect with me and also our ad week podcast audience Um, it was a pleasure to to chat with you
0: oh it's a privilege thank you for doing this work it really matters
1: thanks once again to seth godin and thank you to all of you who tune in every week you can subscribe to yeah that's probably an ad wherever you find your podcast and leave us a review we'll see you soon